0: I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair question it's a fair question it's a fair question I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair question it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair question I'm Vic Cohen and it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair it's a fair quest quest question hello everyone I'm Vic Cohen and it is a fair question this is the show where any question is a good question there's no such thing as a bad question and I will be asking some questions today some very penetrating questions of our very special guest, Guyron Barnes. Hello, Guyron.
1: Hey, Vic, how you doing?
0: I'm well. Am I hearing you okay? Are we hearing him well? We need you right on top of that mic. Okay. okay. Great to see you. Now, Guyron and I um, go back a long ways. We worked together on Deal or No Deal. Um, Guyron was the security for Howie Mandel, and he's a professional bodyguard, as we like to call them a, uh, what we say, bodyguard to the stars?
1: Uh, you know, they, they, everybody has different terms. We prefer to be called a protection specialist or executive protection specialist or oh. bodyguard.
0: Or, secure, or malls, mall security guard.
1: Oh, no Paul Blart's here.
0: <laughs> no, you're the real deal. Now, before we get going here, because um, I got a lot of questions for you. First of all, are you packing heat?
1: Uh, Yes.
0: Okay, so you have a gun on you as we speak.
1: Uh, Yes.
0: Okay, uh, can I see it? I mean, not like in a, like showing it off way, but we've never done a show, this is our th- our third show, and I've never actually interviewed someone who's got a loaded weapon, and it, and this could go in my favor, because I could be very protected, or I could be very dead.
1: Oh, no, no, you're very protected, Vic. I mean, you know, we, are the, we're, we go back a long way, like you said.
0: Yeah, well, let me see, uh, can I, may I see the firearm? Sure. Okay, Beca- okay, is it loaded? Of course. Okay, that's a real gun. Okay, you can put it back. That's good. I see it's a real gun. Um, he's the real deal. Uh okay, that makes me nervous. Do you get nervous carrying a gun?
1: No, actually I feel uh pretty secure because uh it's it's not so much the gun, it's just the fact that I'm in a position to be able to help people. I mean, uh you know, I get paid for what I do and I get paid very well, but You know what? Uh, We're all here to help each other. And if I happen to be someplace in public and somebody needs assistance, you know, I'll be there to help them.
0: Right. Guyron, let's talk about some of the celebrities who you have uh, guarded. Okay. Can you give me a little bit of a laundry list?
1: Uh, Yes. I've uh, protected. uh, Well, I started out in the business with Aaron Spelling.
0: Okay. And if people don't know him, he's a legend as a producer. Oh, yeah. Beverly Hills 90210 and a million other shows, Dallas, et cetera, lots of shows.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I pretty much fell into that job. And uh, I happened to be paired up with a professional who basically showed me the ropes uh, for the EP or executive protection business.
0: Okay, great. So Aaron Spelling, um, earlier we were talking uh, a little bit before the show, you mentioned Roseanne Barr.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Okay. Uh, Paul McCartney, you had mentioned? Yes. Okay. And it's quite a list.
1: Uh, Denise Richards. Okay. Uh, DL Hughley and, you know, a lot of, a lot of different, uh, celebrities.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, on deal and no deal, you were Howie Mandel's pretty much his personal security on the show.
1: Right. I was assigned to Howie, but also, uh, I, uh, coordinated all the other agents that you, you know, that were there. And, uh, so, you know, our job is multifaceted, of course, protecting Howie, but also protecting everybody else. Uh, that's right. one thing that a lot of people don't get is that we're there pretty much, especially out in that type of, uh, uh, for us to protect everybody
0: Okay now would you be willing to take a bullet For Roseanne? Sure You would?
1: Rosie's a sweetie
0: you take a bullet to the head?
1: I, you know what When those type of things happens That means something went wrong But ultimately I'm there
0: to protect You would take a bullet to the head I'm talking right between the eyes For uh, Roseanne
1: You know what I would rather take it in a chest or another place But if it happened If you
0: had your choice of where you could take a bullet mm-hmm. For Roseanne <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well oh, that would be a bullet for anybody. Yeah. Uh my my left pinky toe.
0: Yeah, okay. No one wants to get shot. No. But that's that's kind of part of the job, right? You're secret service, but instead of the president, it's Roseanne.
1: Definitely, definitely. Actually, uh a lot of our, our training and tactics are based on the secret service model.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I did not know that. You started out in uh as a cop, right? Street
1: cop? Yes, yeah, so I was a street cop for the city of Monterey for approximately a year.
0: Monterey. Now, with all due respect, I always love this. When someone says, with all due respect, you know they're going to say something that's really <laughs> insulting. But aren't hall monitor jobs in South Central more dangerous than being a cop in Monterey?
1: You know, uh, Monterey is a very <laughs> affluent city. Yeah. And very, you know, at that time when I was there, basically most of the uh, crime was burglaries or robberies. Yeah, so you didn't really see a lot. Not a whole lot, not compared to, definitely not compared to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we had our moments. You know, we've had murders and... and. uh you know, bank robberies and things like that.
0: Now, you most of your career, which I find fascinating, we'll get back to the celebrity stuff in a little bit, but you worked in a uh, state prison, is that right?
1: Yes, because I'm retired. I'm actually retired from the California Department of Corrections.
0: Okay, and, and for people who don't know, that's basically our prison system.
1: Right, right.
0: And and what, what brought you to prison?
1: Well, you know what? When I left Monterey, uh, <clears throat> I was going to transfer to LAPD, and pri- I had gotten out of the army and I had worked for the city correction for the Department of Corrections for a couple months while waiting to get picked up by the city of Monterey. So when I left Monterey, I had what was called reinstatement rights. So I reinstated to go back to work for the state for, you know, which was going to be temporary, but I got to like it and uh, it was good money also.
0: Mm, that's interesting. Now, what is it about, um, now there's a lot of that we see on TV about prison life and I don't know how much of it's true or not. And so it's really- cool to talk to you about it. Cause I know you're, you're pretty open about whatever goes on in that environment. One of the things that I always hear or think about, <laughs> I think about this too much, maybe, um, is it true? Like guys are just masturbating 24 seven in prison.
1: Well, not necessarily 24 seven, but, uh, usually when the lights goes off, that's when everybody, uh, you know, they get, they break out their Fifi bags and, uh, they they break go out what a Fifi bag.
0: What's a Fifi bag?
1: Well, basically a Fifi bag is either a t-shirt or a towel that's folded and configured in a way to where uh, a man can apply it to his appendage and get satisfaction from it.
0: So it's a, it's a t-shirt vagina. Definitely. Okay.
1: Or if they like it rough, you know, they get a towel.
0: What is, what is it called? Just ejaculating in your tube sock. Cause that's what I usually do. Really? Is uh, there a name for that? What's her name? Cause it's that, not Fifi, right?
1: Well, yeah, but you know what? That'd be just like, uh. <laughs> Uh, getting a crack whore off of uh, Fifth Street out here or or going to the Mustang Ranch in Nevada. You okay. know, I mean, they look down on you if you just have a tube sock. Really? Is, so do all the guys have Fifi's? Uh, a lot, most of them, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And and so is it, I mean, like after a while, you could probably crack that Fifi in half, right? I mean, you know, it's a lot of sperm.
1: I imagine, you know, I haven't really had the uh, experience of handling them. So uh,
0: do you know how to fold one? Cause I, I would, maybe I'd benefit from that myself.
1: Yeah, I do know how to fold one.
0: Okay, maybe after the show, you could show me and Jeremy.
1: No problem. Not Jeremy's
0: the, running the show today, producing.
1: Hey, Jeremy. Now, it just depends if you like it rough or if you like it easy. You know, we There's can use d- Different folds for, for what you like? Definitely. Oh, okay. It's, it's tailor-made. That's good.
0: Now, um, do you think it's fair to say, I, I hear this, and I don't know if it's true or not, tell me that a lot of men go into prison straight, they have gay love, and they leave straight. What's your take on this?
1: My take is this. I think if, if, if a person is gay, you know, they're gay and whatever, uh, I don't know, uh, name that they attach to it or rationale that they use for it, you know, I guess it's okay for them and it makes them feel better about it. But I think for the most part, uh, most guys who go into prison that are straight come out straight and they don't even, uh, they have their fifi bags.
0: Okay, so that's how you know the straight ones, because they got a Fifi bag. What if your Fifi bag has a mustache on it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would mean maybe you like both, right?
1: Uh, uh, could be, yeah, or they have a Tom Selleck, uh, you know, uh, Thing. fixation, yeah.
0: Okay, what's the uh, craziest sexual, not violent, but just, let's say, in a consenting, loving, prison kind of love-making way uh, situation you've walked into?
1: Well, I've I, you know I've walked into guys in broom closets uh, in prison. They have a lot of places that they call the blind. Okay. And the blind is a place that's uh, away from prying eyes of staff. And uh, so you got your laundry rooms, you got your water closets. You have certain areas of the institution of that of itself that people can go and not be seen for, you know, maybe a, a minute or two.
0: Really? That's all it takes me. So that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what can you do in a minute?
1: (laughs) You know what? They can do a lot, apparently, because, uh, you know, a lot of times you walk around and you just happen to walk by. A lot of times you know what's going on because they usually have somebody watching for them. Mm, And so once you work in a prison, you know, you you become a great observer of human nature and and mannerisms. And so... You. Um,
0: okay. You know what? I want to just, real, sorry, but, uh, Garen, you're, we got some great information from you. This is, I'm loving the interview. I want to, anyone listening who'd like to get on this. Uh, and if you're listening in prison, we got a question. We got a lot of prisoner listeners. Oh. Numbers 800-893-9562. That's 800-893-9562. Again, I'm talking with Gyron here, Gyron Barnes. I like to call him uh, bodyguard to the stars celebrity bodyguard, he likes to call himself an executive, uh, something or other, <laughs> but I, I, like, I think it sounds sexier for the for, uh, you know, say, I think you need to change that, Karin, rethink that.
1: You know what? And, and I, I do, but a lot of times see, you get a lot of posers out there. So right. that's the first thing that they come out with. And, uh, that's one thing in our industry that I'm a member of the North American bodyguard association, and these
0: Who guards them when they have a meeting? <laughs> is there another is there one higher?
1: There's no no higher. You know, we're we're rom- po- omnipotent. Right. When it comes to that.
0: I didn't even know that there's a society. It sounds like the conventions would suck because it would be basically a bunch of guys and lesbians, right? <laughs> I mean, what would go on with the security guard convention?
1: No, no, no. Like I said, we're, we're not security guards. We're executive protection agents. And
0: executive protection. Sorry. I, <laughs> that <laughs> might you, be insulting you. I don't mean to.
1: Yeah, no. And, you know, here's, here's the thing. You know, uh, one of the things that the NABA stands for are standards of, of, of uh, excellence for the profession because you get so many guys how many celebrities have you seen that become total train wrecks and they have security around them, Mm -hmm. you know, and those people for the most part are not professionals. And, but we get lumped in with them, you know, but we have some, some true, uh, uh, leaders in our organizations, leaders, mentors.
0: Well, you really are. Um, I mean, there are crazy people out there. Oh, definitely. And so your job is
1: serious. Yes, it is.
0: And, uh, I think you're right. A lot of the media, they just security people kind of look like the background, like as if they're just props. But they you really become very involved in the celebrity's private life. Uh, you know what what's going on, who to look for.
1: Definitely. And, and you know, most of a lot of people don't see that there's a lot of a lot of work that goes into uh, protecting someone. You know, uh, you just see people show up. You may happen to see people show up with security, but there's tons and tons of work that goes in to uh, uh, preparing for that that appearance.
0: Right. Well, again, if you're just joining us, which would be right now like listening live, if you're just joining us and you've been listening from a download, you're really fucked up because <laughs> we started this thing a while ago. And uh, where have you been? It's been rolling on your computer or ever and you haven't been here. That's, that's unusual.
1: They're on a the Fifi bag site.
0: They're in a Fifi bag. There probably is a website. How do you spell that? F-I-F-I? F-I-F-I. Okay, great. Uh, again, the number here is 800-893-9562. And um, now in prison, um, and this is a fair question. And I, in the show, I ask pretty much anything that I think is a legitimate fair question. Sure. You've got a lot of men who are rather attractive, I would imagine, just like men are. Some are attractive, some aren't. Mm-hmm. Have you ever just kind of being around prison life found a man, an inmate, attractive?
1: No, I've never... <laughs> it's a fair question. It's a fair question. And... Because uh, it is in the air. I've never I've never uh, found any, you know, attractive, but there are some uh, guys that come in who've been altered, you know, their hormones have been altered, and you got to take a second look sometimes. You got to do a second glance.
0: You're telling me that their penis has become a vagina?
1: No, I'm telling you that their body... You know, they, they come in, you know, they're going through different stages of, of sexual reassignment, as they call it. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, you, like I said, when I first started working there, I had to do a double take because... Uh, so, there,
0: okay. You know what I'm hearing here with, I think you're trying to say this, and you can let me know if I, I'm rephrasing what you're trying to say. There are men who have gorgeous breasts, and when you see their breasts, you get very turned on. You don't and, get- hold on, this is what you're saying. And then you can tell me if I'm right. Okay. You see these breasts and you're like, holy shit, man, that chick's got a, I don't like the term, but great. I'll just say breasts. Okay. And then you look and you see the rest and you're like, wait a minute. I can't be thinking that because attached to those beautiful, delicious breasts I want to fondle if I could. And we weren't in prison. There's a penis that's getting enlarged as I look at it. Is that, is that what you're saying?
1: No, that's not what I'm saying.
0: Okay. I was wrong. Okay. What are you saying?
1: I'm saying at first glance, you know, it's just like what, Santa Monica Boulevard. Okay? Right, okay. It's like Santa Monica Boulevard. So you may be driving down Santa Monica Boulevard and you'll look and then you do a double take.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get now our um you were telling me that um it's quite a treat for for the guys when there are some ladies, lady guards, is that right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, especially if if a female happens to be working uh, a night shift, because uh, on a night shift you have you have to uh, do a count periodically, and it has to be where the uh, officer would go down the bank of cells and actually look in to make sure that the inmate is in his cell, and uh, you know what. If they don't, if they're not showing any skin, just say they're all covered up or wrapped up in a blanket. Head covered, everything covered. Yes, everything is covered. You have to tap on the uh, tap on the door and say, "Show me some skin." Okay. To make sure that it's not a dummy, and uh, so a lot of these guys they take advantage because that's the only female attention, I guess you could say, that mm-hmm. they're getting while they're there. And so a lot of times they time their uh, masturbation to the females' uh, count. Huh.
0: And uh, is that, that's considered an honor for the lady or?
1: Well, I don't know if it's so much an honor, but I mean, you know, I guess the rationale from the inmate is that, you know, he's taking whatever he can get. Really? Yeah.
0: And do they ever time that with you when you've been visiting?
1: You know what? That's sort of like, especially if you're what's called a fish or a new officer working.
0: What's a fish? A fish is the term for new officer? Yes. Okay.
1: And so if they know you're a fish, uh, they'll, they'll uh, do what they call busting your eye, okay?
0: Is that where, I, okay.
1: And uh, busting your eye means that uh, when you're doing your count and you happen to look through that, uh, you know, four by 12 foot window to see if the inmate's in there, you know, he's exposing himself, you know, and he may be manipulating himself. And? And then it is so they see the shock and surprise on your face and they laugh and they said, aha, I busted your eye.
0: Right. Okay. That's, that's considered comedy and humor. Definitely. Okay, good. So if I, um, trying to think, I I guess out here, we, that's just not part of life.
1: No, no, no. There are more, uh, diversions.
0: Yeah. Now you, you've told me when we were talking earlier that part of your job as a, um, professional Mm -hmm. is not to really share, you know, you need to keep celebrities' lives private. Sure. You're the ears and eyes, you see what goes on.
1: Right. And see, but part of what they pay for is our discretion, you know, also. And, uh, you know, we, like I said, we professionals hold themselves to a higher standard. You know, for me, you'll never see a tell-all book or, you know, me disclosing anything intimate about uh, anything that I've seen or heard.
0: Mm -hmm. Having said that, tell me the funniest thing that ever happened uh, with Roseanne.
1: (laughs) You know, nothing's really funny. Roseanne's a sweetheart. Matter of fact, her whole family is. Uh, uh, her, her mom, you know, I call her booby. You know, she's uh, your your typical Jewish mother, you know, always making sure that I'm fed. And, and uh, you know, I have a blanket when I'm staying there at night. And, uh, you know, she comes in and it's like, you know what? I'm being paid to be taken care of by a Jewish mother.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, she she seems to, like, tend to marry a lot of people that are just around her. Like, you know did she
2: marry her bodyguard? Wasn't that yeah, he, first Yeah, I think he
0: might have. Did we have a call? I thought I saw something up here a minute. No? We do have a call. Let's throw that in. Hello, caller? Drop call. Yeah, hi. Oh, there you are. How are you? What's your name? Uh, Steve. Steve, thanks for calling.
3: I have a question about, um, you know, I've seen that Heidi Klum is uh, dating her bodyguard now after uh, her breakup. And I was wondering, um, you know, does Giron did, does, does he pretty much date and, uh is you know, it, it assumed that if you're a bodyguard for a single woman or someone
1: who's recently broken up that, you know, you can make love to her?
0: Great question. You want to stay on the line. Um, Gyron?
1: You know what? I mean, there's been some women that I would love to make love to. Roseanne? Uh, it's a fair question. Roseanne's a sweetheart. But like I said, there's some, some beautiful nice women. Go on. And... Uh, you know what, that just wouldn't be the thing to do uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, it's just not professional, you know, and a lot of times, you know, I've heard of that happening periodically. You know, I've heard rumors about different uh, guys, and, but they're usually gone, you know, so you lose your, your livelihood also, or you lose that client.
3: Right. Um, so if Heidi Klim wanted to make love to you, you
1: would pass? Uh, yes. Yes.
0: Guyran, I, I don't believe you. I think yeah. you are so full of shit. No way. Well, I mean, if, no offense, but if I were alive, <laughs> the needle would be buried in the red. You would go down on her in two y- seconds. Not if
1: I was working for her. No.
0: Come on.
3: Would you? Would you just use your napkin or towel or t-shirt?
1: Uh, no, I have a, uh, a woman. So, Guyran, you know what? I think
0: uh, this caller is really making a good point, and that is that you're full of shit. Y- because you know, because I know you. I've worked with you. Heidi Klum's one of the most gorgeous women in the world. She is,
1: And actually, I've had the opportunity to work. There were a couple years ago. Matter of fact, when we were doing Deal or No Deal, uh, there were her and her seal were filming a uh, Volkswagen commercial in downtown L.A. Yeah, And it was just for the German market. And uh, I was assigned actually to seal, but Heidi was there. And so I've been around Heidi Klum.
0: The caller is asking, Steve is asking a very specific question. He's saying... Heidi Klum makes a move on you. Mm-hmm. She's single. Mm-hmm. She wants to make love to you. What do you do?
1: If Heidi Klum wants to make love to me and I'm working for her? Right. No. Okay. I,
0: don't, I still don't I would believe that you. That would be, I
3: would think that that would be part of it. I would think that if somebody were in that situation and mm-hmm. you wouldn't make love to them, I mean, part of, part of you know, Guarding their body would be to physically
1: be as close as possible. That's actually a good point, Steve. Well, you know, that's close protection, but it's not in the contract.
0: But, you know, part of what Steve's trying to say, I think, is that you're you're there to serve her.
1: Uh, no, We're there to protect her. Well, you'd wear protection. Like an escort in my mind. I'm going to listen. Uh, thanks. Thank you, Steve, for
0: the stuff. call. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thank Again, you. the number here i I'm talking to Celebrity... Guard. <laughs> he hates that. <laughs> Bodyguard. Bodyguard to the celebrities. Guy Ron is here. Um, people want to follow you. You're, on, you're kind of all into technology, right? You're on sure. Facebook, Twitter. Yes. Okay, great.
1: And uh, my uh, Twitter page is uh, Big Daddy G number one.
0: Okay. Is that what they called you in prison? <laughs> no? no, no comment. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Um, you know, you're single, right? Yes. Is the stereotype true? I mean, you know, the cop working the crazy hours, seeing he comes in, feel like innocent and wanting to save the world. And maybe 10, 20 years later, he's bitter. He's seen the dreck of society. He He's turned into a miserable man because of just society's taken him down. I mean, is this you know broken marriage? Is this the norm?
1: You know what? It does happen, you know, but I think uh, especially nowadays, uh, you know, that stereotype was pretty much, and, and divorce is still prevalent in in, in law enforcement. And, but I think that, uh, you know, it, it all depends on how you deal with it. You know, you have to find diversions, uh, things that interest you outside the job. You know, if you're a cop 24-7, yeah, you're going to burn yourself out. And, you know, that, that opens up the door to a host of uh, problems.
0: Have you ever been married?
1: Never been married. No, legally, no. Huh. Close to it? Close to it, yes.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. Do you think the job got in the way, the career?
1: It's not so much the job got in the way. It was just that uh, I'm a commitment folk.
0: Mm-hmm. Ironic that you, for a career, got people committed behind bars, yet you yourself have a commitment problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as you can leave the prison.
1: That and you know what? I had some 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 wild days, you know. And there's there's been some women who I met during those wild days. In you prison? know. No, not visit outside Actually, well, I worked with a couple. But anyway, uh, there's been some wild days. And you know how you look back, you know, as you get older and you think about that one that you maybe you should have settled down with. And, and right. you know, so there's, that's pretty much my story. Mm-hmm.
0: So you want to attribute it uh, so much to the career, but more to just who you are. Exactly. Okay. And, you know, what's interesting about you, Kyron, is you do have a positive spirit about you. Oh, yeah you know, there's a still, um, like a glitter in your eye, you know, a sense of like, um, an enjoyment of life. There's, I don't, you don't seem down about really anything.
1: Well, you know, cause I've been down, you know what I mean? So this is what you're seeing is the other side.
0: Well, tell me about the downside. What, what was that like and what was going on?
1: Well, with, with me, there was just, uh, you know, when I worked for the city of Monterey, Monterey was, uh, like snow white, as you well know, it probably is still snow white.
0: You mean you're talking racially?
1: Exactly. Okay. And, uh, when I was growing up, you know, I'm a child of the 60s, and I don't know how you, how you feel about it, but the way I view it is, to me, in my lifetime, that was the time where people, the races, were pretty much all together. All the people, my, young people my age, black, white, brown, yellow, whatever. You know what, we were, our, we were in a, had a different conscience, and it was all about everybody getting together and, and getting along, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was how I viewed the world, until I got to the Monterey Police Department. And I had never really experienced, like, a lot of racism, especially in a place that you work in. You know, I was raised on Adam-12 and uh, Dragnet, and, you know, I was a police explorer for the city of Ontario, and, you know, all cops were brothers behind the badge. All my buddies in high school, we all hung out and wanted to become cops. And when I got to the city of Monterey is when I really ran into racism on the department, you know, from... uh, the people that I was serving yeah. with.
0: Yeah, I can't even imagine um, just the experience of, of what you, you know, being African-American, you know, I mm. mean, just the...
1: No, I'm black. It, I've never been in Africa.
0: You know, I, the thing is, <laughs> I, I'm happy you told me that because I feel like I don't know what to say. It used to be like, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago, I feel like I'm the squarest kind of, you know, when you say you're square, that is square, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't, you like black. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. I think that's like the new thing. I guess it's not that new.
1: No, black is, black came before African-American. I never
0: got the African-American thing because I think of people who living here as American.
1: Exactly, exactly. You
0: know, I mean, I just went along with whatever.
1: Well, and you know, <laughs> the, the genesis of black, I mean, that's what we always call ourselves. But remember that song by James Brown, Brown, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud? Mm-hmm. You know, that pretty much established it, etched it in stone, you know, and basically that was about uh, you know self esteem and feeling good about yourself and being proud of who you are i th-
0: you know it makes perfect sense to me i mean you know white black i mean that's that's what people you know no one cares if they 're called white right so i't I never got why that switched over to African American and yeah me being again the square guy i 'm like just okay whatever <laughs> well
1: I, you know what I think it is a lot of these pseudo intellectuals uh that came up, came up with that term african american you know
0: it's just awkward for me i've always felt like you know, cause I want to be respectful. Sure. So now I say the African American thing and then you tell me, no, it's black.
1: Yeah. But That's I, and, and in, you know what? I'm just saying my preference. You no, know, okay. And, well, and I, mean, I yeah. didn't take it as an insult. You no, know, I
0: know, but I want to be, you know, I, I want to be respectful to right. people.
1: Right. Of, right. of any race. Right.
0: So, um, so you're in Monterey and what year is this? This was in
1: 1978 and 79.
0: Okay. So late seventies. Disco is big. Yes. Um you are kind of you're you're a fish out of water then, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're the only black guy. On, are you the only black on the force? The only
1: black guy in the department. Yes.
0: Okay, so there is their um their minority hiring. <laughs> right?
1: Well, you know, ironically, uh the city of Monterey didn't get any federal funds for uh, you know, hiring uh minorities because it's a rich city, you know. And actually how I got hooked up with the city of Monterey is I was a military policeman. I was in the Army assigned to Fort Ord. But I was assigned for a while to the Presidio of Monterey Detachments. That's the defense language school. Okay. And in, in it's right smack dab in What's the defense
0: middle. language? I don't know what that means.
1: Well, it's It's where they, the military and at, at that time, actually, the entire federal government sent everybody who was either in the military or who worked for the federal government who had to learn a foreign language. Oh, okay. That's where they sent them. I see. You
0: speak a foreign language?
1: No. Okay.
0: <laughs> but somehow you were there.
1: I was there. Okay. I, I was a military policeman. So, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah.
0: And um, so when you say there was racism, uh, what what exactly was going on? And by the way, if you're, again, just tuning in, um, 800-893-9562 is our number. 800-893-9562. 800-893-9562. We've got Guyron here. He is a... Um, I like to call him celebrity, uh, I, what do I call you? Celebrity personal guard to the celebrity. Cele-
1: <laughs> well, you said bodyguard to the stars, right?
0: Bodyguard to the stars. That's right. Guyron Barnes here. So uh, we were talking about the lowest point in your life. Mm-hmm. And you said it was when you were an officer, a city officer in Monterey. Right. Um, you're the only black officer mm-hmm. in the force. What was going on racially that made you aware that there was a problem?
1: Well, you know, when I was there, I had, like, the highest stats as far as uh, felony arrest and and arrest period. And I was very proactive, Uh, you know, being born and raised in Los Angeles. You know, you see, you're more aware of of criminal behavior when, you you know, it's easy for me to spot it. Uh, And, but, you know, the big thing for me was when you're, when I'm walking down the hallway and I'm walking towards my mailbox, which is right next to the watch commander's office. And as I round the corner, I hear my patrol sergeant and my watch commander talk about how much they hate niggers, you know. And, you know, this is a conversation amongst themselves that I just happen to walk into.
0: You don't think they were trying to have you hear it?
1: You know what? I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know. You know, I just know that I heard it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, um, I could see it's so making you emotional right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, another thing is uh, there was a guy that went through the academy with me And, like, this guy barely made it through the academy. Okay, he's a good guy. You know, I'm not mad at him or anything, but he's a white guy who crashed in total uh, three units within a year during our probationary period, crashed three police cars. And uh, nothing happened to him. But me, make a long story short, we had this real uh, intense pursuit through the city of Monterey. Uh, and at at one point, it, like the city of Monterey, they have uh, tunnels. And so this guy went in the wrong way through a one-way tunnel, and we pursued him. We were able to get him stopped and everything and arrested and everything. Well, as I exit my vehicle and open my door, our police cars were white. I opened my door and bumped the suspect's car with the door, and it barely even caused like a paint transfer, Okay. But the sergeant goes ballistic, writes up an official traffic collision report, you know, as if I'm in a traffic collision. They haul me in front of the city safety committee. And, you know, how many ways can you say, well, I opened the door and bumped the suspect's car? You can't, you know, but they're grilling me, giving me a third degree. So basically, you know, uh, I guess my demeanor and my uh, answers after a while got sort of curt. And so I get written up for being smart to the city safety committee, Mm. you know, and, uh, you know, at that time, you know, I just fell into like a deep depression because, you know, you figure you're a 22, 23-year-old kid and you idolize cops, you idolize police work, and you have this great, you know, dreams of of working and, and, you know, doing good things and you get hit with that, you know. And at the time, I really didn't know how to deal with it.
0: So how did you deal with
1: it? I, I got depressed. You know, I mean, there would be times where I was, uh, you know, I was to show up, for, I was scheduled for duty, and I just couldn't wake up. On the days that I had to work, go to work, I just couldn't wake up, and I really didn't know what it was at the time, you know. And so I was late to work a couple of times, and I remember one time, uh, I guess Estrada broke the camel's back, is, you know, I got off work, went to sleep early and everything, you know, and set the alarm clock, and... Uh, I wake up and my sergeant's knocking on my front door at my house, you know. I had overslept this briefing, slept through the alarm clock and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I know today that I was depressed. I didn't know that back then. I just couldn't figure it out.
0: So what happened? Did you end up just quitting?
1: Well, I was given the option to resign in lieu of termination. You know, the, all this stuff started happening the closer I got to completing my probationary period because I'd be working in, like, in the, city, the surrounding cities, like Seaside, uh, Pacific Grove, uh, a lot of the sheriff's guys and the highway patrol guys, you know, they'd say, hey, you know, you're going to be the first black guy to ever make it past probation on Monterey because, I mean, it was a matter of weeks before. And, and you know, I never thought about, like, how'd this guy know that how long I've been on probation? <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so uh, the closer I got to probation, uh, you know, all of a sudden my reports were no good. You know, I never had a complaint about my reports before as a matter of fact, the detectives used to like my reports because they it contained all the information to where if I had to turn the case over to the detectives, uh, you know, all the information was there, you know?
0: Well, I mean, hearing this this story and your experience is infuriating.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, and but like I said, I, I wish like a lot of things that my parents told me growing up, you know how it is when you're young, you don't I think your parents know what they're talking about sometimes, and my parents never raised me to be you know racist or anything like that, but they just they just told me to be aware because everybody's not your friend, even if they smile in your face they're not your friends
0: yeah well i'm I'm sorry I mean you know that you'd have to experience something like that i can 't even fathom um you know your your life experience it's uh, it's terrible that you had to go through that i'm amazed that you. It's good that what, what made you not just give up on law enforcement?
1: You know what? I Like I said, I had, I had worked for the state for a while, and I was going to actually, I was all set to get hired by LAPD. But uh, at that time, LAPD was hired. They were under a federal uh, court ruling to hire so many women by a certain date. And see, LAPD played a lot of games with the uh, physical requirements for women, and they, they they structured the uh, physical agility test, and they slanted it in a way to where it required a lot of upper body strength. Well, you know m- most women don't have the upper body strength as men, so they used to use that as an excuse for a long time. And you know how the LAPD is; they have to be dragged and, and be dragged kicking into the 20th century. So the judge saw through that and said, "Hey, look." You can't hire anybody until you get X amount of females.
0: So the timing just happened to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. So uh, I I got reinstated with the state and I just decided to stay with them.
0: Okay. Well, um, it's a good thing you did. Yeah. You know? um, and uh, when you see Barack Obama as president with the kind of racism you experienced, um, how's that feel?
1: You know what? It, 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 it's great because uh, I think he's the... If, to be the first, he's a great one. Just like Jackie Robinson was the first in baseball, you know what I think? Providence or God or whatever you want to think, put him in the right place to to, to do that. As a matter of fact, I had a chance to actually protect uh, then Senator Obama before he got elected uh, during the primaries, when he in, during the Democratic primaries.
0: I bet that was a thrill.
1: It was great. It was great. You know, uh, he. It's funny, I have a picture of, of uh, him and I together that a photographer took. And uh, we, we had prepared for his arrival. And, uh, you know, for some reason, he just walked up to me and he said, hey, I really thank, want to thank you for being here. And I appreciate what you do. And he shook my hand and a photographer was right there at that moment to capture the picture.
0: Yeah. Would you have ever thought with your, I would guess the answer is no, with your personal experience in Monterey, that you'd be sitting there talking to this man who eventually became a president?
1: No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, I worked for the state and, and also, uh, I worked for NASA. I was a NASA security policeman up until a couple of years ago, as a matter of fact.
0: So you really, um, seems like you've, you, your career has just been a massive amount of just unbelievable experiences.
1: Oh yeah. 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 I'm very blessed, you know, and, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm not really like a religious organized religion kind of guy, you know, but I, I, I truly believe that, uh, even through the darkest times, you know, uh, uh, my guide has saw me through a lot of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, it's obviously you've got something that's keeping you going. Definitely. Like I said, because there's a, there's a real positive spirit. And when, you know, just a reminder, I worked with Guy Run on Deal or No Deal. I was the writer for the show. Our and My credit was creative consultant. And um, so I saw Guy Run um, very often, basically at every taping of the show, he was there to... He was in charge of the security detail, which is a, quite a big responsibility because at that time, Deal or No Deal was a major hit. And uh, with the visibility, it could bring anyone out of the woodworks. And there were times, Gary, where I remember you uh, would be looking over the audience and some people were removed. Is that right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That, that It happened a few times.
0: I mean, there were some people that kept coming to the show that you, right, that you recognized and they had to get, it was time for them to leave?
1: It was time for them to leave. And that was just based on... Uh, uh, their actions. And then some of the things that we did to find out exactly who they were.
0: Okay. So, so, um, yeah, people don't realize, I think when you're doing a show like deal or no deal or any big show or the Grammys, the Emmys, you've got an audience in the building. That's where the real danger is. wouldn't you
1: say it is, you know, because, uh, you don't, basically they're an unknown quality, quantity, you know, quality, yeah, and, yeah right. and, and you know there are certain things in place. You know, like uh, as you probably noticed, uh, the magnetometers and the wands and stuff, and yeah. and you know uh, inspecting the, the the purses and the packages and all that kind of stuff. And uh, see, that, that was a multifaceted. Of course, it's for security reasons, but also you know, especially when it came time for those uh, the for our first uh, million dollar uh, winners. You know, we had to. I don't know if you remember that the first one we had you know what we were we were confiscating uh cell phones left and right because we noticed people even though they were told not to take pictures we noticed them uh taking pictures and we confiscated uh confiscated the cell phones to protect the intellectual property number one of NBC in the show but also too uh you know we just wanted to keep we we didn't want the story to get out before it those ah, episodes actually—that right, was a big deal. Yeah, and at oh, this yeah. time,
0: uh, Deal or No Deal was you know top ten. I mean, the amount of millions of watching, millions of viewers was impressive.
1: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, like I said, so uh, you know, a lot of people. This sort of gets back to my original point. They just see us there in our suits, standing around, or what they perceive to be standing around. But there's so much more to our, to our job, and protection is a part of it. You know, protecting bodies are important, but also protecting the the show itself that was important to us also.
0: Yeah, that's actually a very interesting point. It's not just the personality, but every aspect. The NBC's hiring you,
1: Definitely. protected their show, right?
0: Didn't think of that. I forgot about that with the cameras and all that. Mm-hmm. So um, we were talking earlier on the phone briefly about this evening, and I said to you, I asked you if you do body cavity searches at your job, mm-hmm. and the, when you, you know when you've been at the prison, how many years were you there?
1: I was there thirteen years.
0: Okay. So and that was in Chino?
1: Yes, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so I, you know, as a comic and um, you know, I we we all make jokes about body cavity searches, but obviously I mean none of us have really ever had one. I mean, very few people actually have. So I was wondering if perhaps you would be willing to conduct a body cavity search on me right here live on the show. <laughs>
1: Well, sure, you know, but you, the first part of a body search, body cavity search is you got to have gloves.
0: Okay, well, you know? we talked about that, and I did bring gloves. Yes. I've got them here. Um, these are sterile gloves. You said they shouldn't be latex.
1: No, is that right? No latex, no.
0: So I was told these are definitely not latex, so I got these to your specification. Okay. They're called uh, uh, synthetic nitro gloves, uh, exam quality, one okay. size fits all. Okay. Most. So, um, okay, I got that. And what else? You said you needed like a lubricant, right?
1: Well, you know what? It can, if there's any contraband found. Right. uh, Technically, only medical personnel can remove contraband from a body cavity. However, there's this thing called exigent circumstances. So if I see like a balloon up there and it's ruptured and it's filled with narcotics, well, exigent circumstances state, you know, Dictate that I try to remove that as soon as possible for your safety.
0: Okay, well, I brought some, uh, I brought two different lubricants. I brought um, petroleum jelly because I wasn't sure if that's what you needed. Mm -hmm. And then I got a KY, um, but I got the warming jelly just so I can use this later if I want. Um, You know, I didn't want to waste the money on just one exam. (laughs) So um, let's do this. Let's see. Uh, Why don't you take me through the motions? If you need to come over by me, you can just put your headsets down and use my mic. Okay. um, I'm going to experience, if you're just listening, uh, Guyron Barnes, security guard to the stars, a former um, uh, prison guard uh, who conducts bo- d- conducted body cavity searches. For how many years would you say you did that? 13 years. Thir- how many?
1: 13 years.
0: How many bodies do you think you've had your hand in? Uh,
1: not too many in, but I- I've inspected a lot of anuses.
0: Okay, great. And I'm happy to say that I guess mine will be the last one on the list for, for today. I hope so. Yes, okay. If you're just joining us, I can describe what's happening. Um, he's putting the gloves on. These are sterile gloves. Um, this is what you'd be doing in prison?
1: Uh, definitely. We'd have uh, this, these searches most, most of the time took place in the hospital at the, uh, at the prison. And so we're close to the medical personnel in case we have to, we have to do an extraction.
0: Okay, great. And so um, you've got your right glove on. These are blue gloves, and uh, there's no powder on them. So it's a good thing that there is a lubricant, that I've provided a lubricant.
1: But well, hopefully we won't find any contraband.
0: Okay, that would be good. But um, getting into the spirit of this, I'm willing to go the full mile. Right. Okay, so give me directions as to what I would do if we were in a, uh, you know, the, the, let's do it.
1: Okay. All right. First, inmate uh, uh, Cohen, I, I need you to take off your shirt.
0: Okay, okay, I'm taking my shirt off. My shirt is my sh- my shirt has just hit the floor.
1: Okay, well I would I would pick up that shirt and shake it out myself. Shake okay, out your shirt. He's
0: shaking out the shirt. Make sure there's no there's nothing band. there. Okay.
1: All right, inmate Cohen.
0: I get nervous, and you say inmate. Let's okay. just call me Vic.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vic. Yeah. I want you to raise your hands above your head.
0: Okay, my hands are above my head.
1: Okay. I have, I'm looking under your arms. Okay, feel. like Do it like you really would. Would you feel around? I, no, I wouldn't feel because I don't see anything. Okay. Okay. Now, okay, put your hands down. Open okay. up your mouth. Roll back your tongue. All, right.
0: All and right. My mouth is open and my
1: tongue is back. Okay. Now, with your index fingers, grab both sides of your mouth and... Uh, okay. Okay, nothing in the mouth. Okay. All right. Inmate coin, uh take off your pants.
0: Okay. I'm. Uh, and hand them to me. Okay, I'm taking off my pants now my boots came off what do you do with those
1: i would shake them shake them down Actually, look at them turn them
0: okay what do we have in the boots nothing okay boots are off
1: okay inmate cohen take off your pants and hand them to me
0: okay my pants are coming off i at this moment uh left leg is out now my right leg is out i'm now i have my wallet i have my wristband i have my watch on and a bracelet should i take that off
1: okay oh definitely yes
0: Okay, you're. What are you doing? You're going through my pants. I'm going right through now.
1: your pants to make sure that there's no contraband.
0: Contraband meaning or weapons,
1: narcotics.
0: Contraband means narcotics.
1: Yes, narcotics or anything that you're not supposed to have. Okay. Okay, it could be kites. What they call kites, which are prison letters that are sent back and forth. Is that a problem? You can't. You can't communicate. Well, a lot of the gangs use them to communicate hit lists and, oh, okay. and stuff like that. So the mail's uh, monitored. Definitely. Okay. Okay, let me, let me have your your underwear. Pardon? What about my socks? Do you need the socks off? Uh, That comes later.
0: Okay, so you want my underwear off?
1: I want your underwear off.
0: Okay, my underpants are off. Okay, hand me your underwear. I am completely... uh...
1: Hand
0: me your underwear. Okay, I'm I'm reaching down, and I'm getting on my underwear.
1: Okay, hand me your underwear. Okay, I've just handed my underwear to Guyron. And I've inspected his underwear.
0: Okay, what did you find?
1: Nothing. Nothing, no skid marks? No skid marks or anything.
0: Okay, no contraband?
1: No contraband. Okay. All right, Vic, hand me your left sock.
0: Okay, I'm I'm handing you in my left sock. I am completely naked except for the sock on my right leg. Okay.
1: What are you doing? This sock is clear.
0: Okay, and what does that mean clear? No contraband? No contraband, no weapons? Contraband meaning drug meaning drugs or yeah, letters? Illegal
1: communications. Okay,
0: I'm totally naked except for one tube sock on my right leg.
1: And let me have that.
0: Okay, I'm taking that off right now. I'm peeling it is now off.
1: I'm totally naked in the studio. Okay. And this sock checks out okay. All right, now what I want you to do. Yes. Is raise your arms, put your hands out to the side. Like this? Yes. Okay. Okay. Squat down. Okay, I'm squatting down. Oh, excuse me. I forgot. It's been a while. All right. I need you to raise your your scrotum. Okay, I'm raising my scrotum. Okay, I'm looking at your scrotum. He is looking at my scrotum. Okay, drop your scrotum and hold your dick.
0: You call it a dick in the prison? That's what we
1: call it, yes. Really? That's the official name? Dick, Okay, I'm holding my dick. Okay, there's nothing secreted in those areas? No. Okay, now I need you to turn around.
0: Okay, I'm turning around.
1: Okay. All right, now I want you to squat down. I'm squatting.
0: I'm squatting down. I'm my backside is facing Gyron and I'm squatting. And, and cough. <coughs> okay, I see something. You, pardon me? Excuse
1: me. Keep your position. Okay,
0: he spots something in my, in, in my rectum, it appears.
1: Yes, and at this point, I will call for my partner so we have another witness, and also in case you decide to uh, get violent.
0: Okay, Jeremy, Jeremy could be your witness. Jeremy, can you come in here? You're going to be his witness that there's something in, uh, that something's been discovered in my behind. Uh, Jeremy's the board operator. He also runs the place here. Yeah. And he's going to be, uh, you can observe Jeremy. If he, Jeremy's Jeremy's your, your partner,
1: what do you say to Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy, do you see uh, what, what the inmate has uh, secreted in his rectum? There's, there's definitely something in there. Okay. Okay, Jeremy has,
0: has confirmed. Why do you need two people for that?
1: Well, it looks good on the report. So we have two witnesses going against you in court instead of one.
0: Okay, so they've discovered that I am trying to sneak something in my
1: okay. rectum. No I actually removed it because it wasn't it was mostly in your butt cheek, it wasn't in your rectum. If it, if it was in your rectum, I'd have to call for medical personnel to remove it itself.
0: Okay. okay. And what this, is it? This looks like a kite. Looks like a kite. like a kite. A kite. Like actually, a letter of some sort. It's,
1: it's it's a card. Okay. Oh it's a thank you card. Thank you card, yes. I wrote good. you a thank you card. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Guyron, thank you for doing the show. Great seeing you. All the best, Vic. <laughs> Have you, have you ever had anyone that you've done a, uh, a body cavity search give you a thank you card? Never, never. This is a first. This yeah. is a first. And, I, and I, I will sterilize it and cherish it.
0: You know, I brought an envelope. You can take that home with you.
1: Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: No, no. Let's finish oh, the right. search. Let me finish the search. Okay. So you've discovered something in my rectum. I guess that's... Okay, n- now
1: I need you to... I, I remember the first thing, so I need you to bend over it, spread your cheeks. I'm pro-
0: Okay, he's getting a little bit...
1: And cough. <coughs> Now, usually when the cheeks are spread and an inmate coughs, that would dislodge anything that's jammed up the rectum. Okay. Let me double
0: check. You, you, are you really looking at my rectum? Yes, yes. He's
1: staring at my rectum right now. I'm. Right. Well, well, Vic, I got good news and bad news. What's that? Well, the good news is I don't see any more contraband, okay? Okay. But the bad news is you've got a polyp in the hair. get out of here. Get, get that I thing can away it. from me! I can get that. It. I've been circumcised
0: already. I don't need that. So, are we done with the search, or do We're you not. need to explore? We're done with the search. Okay. What about all these this lube I bought?
1: Uh, you can take it for your fifi bag. Okay.
0: So at this point, there would be no reason to uh, explore my oh, wow. rectum. Not at this point, no. Even though there was a thank you card
1: in there. Even though that there's a thank you card, I, I feel confident that uh, all there's no contraband or weapons.
0: Because I feel like you're being light on me because you know it's me. But if you really had a guy come in with a thank you card jammed in his ass, wouldn't you be
1: sticking your finger up his ass? No, no. If I had any any more doubts, like I said, we're in the hospital already, and I would take him over to the medical personnel, and they would do a deeper probe.
0: Okay, great. Well, why don't you get back in your seat? I'm going to get dressed. And um, hold on. Jeremy, you witnessed (laughs) this. What did you think?
2: I that was that was a great uh body cavity search. Uh, I could tell uh it's done by a real professional and he went through every step of it and it was thorough. It was good. That was good.
0: It was thorough and I I'll tell you um you know it's got to be really scary for someone having that done for the first time. It know, looks like we got a phone call by the way. Let's go right to that phone call. Hello caller, what's your name?
3: Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is
0: Vince. Vince?
2: Hi Vince. Yeah.
3: Hey, how you doing, man? All right. Hey, so I'm I'm watching on um, Skid Row Studios UStream, and I got to see the whole uh, cavity search, and I'm very impressed.
0: (laughs) There's no way that was on.
3: At the size (laughs) of Vic's cock. (laughs) <laughs> Very good. What do you think? I mean, Vic's a little guy, and, like, I've never been able to see. You can't really see his cock on this thing. Uh-huh. But what do you think? Like, have you seen a lot of cocks? Like, how does he rate on average? Oh, like, is he?
1: I, I i think Vic is above average, you know. Uh, you know what the old saying is dynamite comes in small packages? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think that Vic ha- handles more of his fair share of business.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, now, Vince, when, was
3: there, I, I wanted to ask you when, yeah. you, when you're doing these uh, searches, like, do you, and, and you see like, a lot of different people, do you guys like, make, like, make jokes at the guys with the little dicks and stuff? go uh, like, talk about it?
1: N- not to their face, no. <laughs> no?
3: But I'm saying like, between you and your colleagues. Oh, yeah. You
1: know? you know what? I mean, yeah, if it comes up, you know, especially if you see some abnormalities. You know, uh, doing these type of searches, I've actually seen uh, guys who have tattooed their penises. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they have tat- actual tattoos on their penis. Could you imagine that?
0: Anyone have what a tat- tattoo?
1: What uh, One guy. <laughs> what gang is that? Uh, You know, I don't know exactly what gang, you know. <laughs> it was mostly the Hispanics.
0: Really? Does it, it say mom right on the tip? N- no. the
1: heart? Let-, let me tell you a story. Remember we talked about earlier getting your eye busted, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And- okay. So we're on the wreck yard, Hold right? Hold on
0: a second. Before we go there, because I want I to... Wanted- no Vince, did you have he'll put a pin in that as they say that story? Vince, anything else you wanted to ask real quick?
3: Um, no, I mean, I just I just wanted to call in and say great show.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you listening. Were you con- just for
3: those of, for those of uh, for those of you listening just like I am, like Vic really did like strip down like this isn't like a radio <laughs>
2: gag. Yeah, no, I, I I thought it was a gag, but no. It it happened. No. Yeah.
3: yeah. What do you think uh, uh Jeremy? Uh, how does Vic look naked?
2: Oh, it, it, he he did very well. Um, I mean, he, he's not the first person to get naked in this studio, but he he might be the the best looking one to get naked in this the first studio. one.
0: to Have a body cavity search.
2: That's in the studio. that's absolutely true.
0: I'd also like to comment too
3: that you know, like just the size of of Guyron. You know, he's a big guy, and Vic is a little guy. It looked like a like a little kid being molested. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's not what we were going for. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey Vince, so so you really did see this on the video?
3: Yeah, that was
0: great, man. You got to be full like, of you know shit.
2: I thought I thought that bullshit. the video was uh, turned off. Actually, no, video's wide on, and we get to see uh, Vic's cock and everything. He's oh. so full of it. There's oh no way. Oh my god,
0: <laughs> no, this it's is, true.
2: I really thought it was off. How many fingers? I'm Sorry, Vic. Okay,
0: that's okay. You know what? I've done worse. I've I have no problem. Okay, but thank you, uh, thank you for the call, Vince.
2: Is this the weirdest
3: thing you've ever done,
2: Vic?
1: No. 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 I, I can I tell you. You said no. that pretty quickly. I can tell you, no. We had some uh, interesting times on Deal or No Deal. Yes, we did. There was a time. Have you ever, have
3: you ever seen Vic naked before? Or is this the first time?
1: No, I've seen Vic naked before. You have? Yeah. Really? And what are the circumstances?
0: Yeah, I'm curious. I don't at, know when you've seen me totally naked.
1: At Deal or No Deal.
0: When? I, I was never totally naked at Deal
1: No Deal. I believe you were totally naked no, at Deal I I or was No not. Deal. Yes. Yes.
0: I, I, you'll have to talk to me after the show okay. I don't remember. I think that there was one time, the closest I got, I was in a pair of Daisy Dukes. And because uh, the girl, the 26 models, that was her costume. And then you
1: that, handcuffed me to a pole. That was one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: then you uncuffed me because you felt that that would be considered um, false imprisonment.
1: Yeah. And see, once again, protecting <laughs> my client and protecting the show. Because, I mean, I know you and Howie are great friends and you guys have worked together for a long time. But you never know. You no, know? but
0: the funny part about that story is Guy Ren was also the one who locked me to the pole.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then suddenly he's worried about false imprisonment.
1: Yeah, well, see, the thing is, it just went on for a long, long time. Well, that was the joke.
0: <laughs> that was part of the joke, you know, when you see me in... I mean, not that anyone wants to see it,
1: right? Yeah, but I mean, come on. That was an inordinate amount of time. I felt sorry for you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I didn't bother me. Okay. I actually enjoyed it. It was fun. It was well, a funny... Get- the joke was that they accidentally... They ax- they tricked me into handcuffing me to a pole, where all the models <laughs> would walk by, and I was wearing their outfit and um, these very tight, small shorts. And, and,
1: and, and a lot of models, you got pictures with a lot of models who were posing next to you with their Daisy Dukes and right. your Daisy Dukes on. Right,
0: but it yeah. went on for too long, I it, guess.
1: Yeah, for my for, for your taste, for my taste, yes.
0: Yeah, that was a that was a great show.
1: It was. It really so you, was.
0: We, um, again, if you want to, uh, we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon here, but if you want to give us a call, the number is 800-893-9562. That's 800-893-9562. Um, oh,
1: yes. One thing. Did you know, I don't know, uh. If you've ever had, like, international uh, listeners, but I do know for a fact there's a lady listening in New Zealand. Her name is Maya Jones. Oh, are you doing, like, a shout-out? Uh, if that's appropriate, yes.
2: We have a uh, listener in New Zealand and two in
1: Australia that I can see right now. Right, and, oh. and that, that's that's Maya. Christos is in Australia, and I believe it Hans is in Australia also. My really? bodyguard. So you're
0: bringing a little bit of a national flair to the show tonight.
1: Oh, um, yeah. And that's, you know, the, our, our bodyguard association. You know, I put a shout out on the page or I put an announcement on the page. And, oh, and really? those, those are actually members that are listening to the show right now. Wow,
0: that's fantastic. Yes, I'm very excited. Um, are any of them cute and single? Uh, Because evidently they've all seen me naked <laughs> on
1: the video. Maya's married, but Christos and Hans, Hans I'm not so sure. I, I don't know their status. Okay. is Hans a guy? Yes. I'm not interested in that. Okay. But thanks for thinking of me. All right, well, you know, this is Hollywood, man.
0: Yeah, no, um, but that that experience that we went through where you, that was not even simulated. I mean, that was like a, right. that is truly what
1: goes on. That is truly what goes on. And
0: the, the thing that was most, um, I found horrible was when you had me open my mouth with the, you know, pulling my cheeks apart. Yes. And, uh, you know, and the thing about it is I know you. So, and God forbid someone, you know, you're in a situation and you don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. It's got to be just uh, the
1: worst. You know, it's got to, uh, it is, I guess you can say dehumanizing. That's, that's a phrase that's thrown around a lot, you know. But uh, usually by the time uh, an inmate gets to the state prison, it's routine for them. As, as weird as it sounds, it's, re- it's routine for them. They just, you don't have, most of the time you don't have to give them directions. Huh.
0: Now, tell me, um, in all seriousness, how many men do you think you have been inside? And I, uh, I mean <laughs> that not off the clock. I mean... <laughs> On the job, how many men have you been inside uh, with body cavity searches
1: uh, over the years? I've given body cavity searches, thousands probably, but I've never been inside because once again, only medical personnel can go inside and actually remove something from, uh, from a body cavity.
0: Okay. So you've, let's say then you've, you've looked inside thousands of men's
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: You've seen thousands and thousands of rectums.
1: And I've seen... Can you say that with me? Uh, thousands and thousands. I've seen thousands. I, I've seen thousands and thousands of rectums. Just like, what was that, uh, The Astronomer? Billions. Wait, I need you to say
0: it one more time. This is our for our promo. Okay. I've seen... I need you to repeat after me. I've seen thousands... I've, I have seen thousands of men's rectums.
1: I have seen thousands of men's rectums.
0: Oh, look at this. We've got a phone call. Um, go ahead, caller. Hi, this is Gus. Hey, Gus. Hey, Gus.
3: Uh, I, I wanted to tell you, this apparently is not the craziest thing you've done, but this is the craziest shit I've heard on radio in a long time. That well, was fantastic. That was some fun, strange stuff, although the video was going to haunt me for days.
0: You really did not see a video. I'm going to fucking depends. kill Jeremy. <laughs> I'm like, you're
3: gonna... It depends how, how honest you want me to be, but it's, I, may, I may cry myself. That was like anti-porn, whatever. <laughs> but... But that was, God bless this show. That is fantastic. You guys are great.
0: Hey, Gus, I want to thank you for calling. And um, Gus is a good friend. And um, he's also the host of a Sunday show, um, Weekly Wrap-Up, right? Dude.
3: Yes, yes, sir. Sundays at, uh, at 4 o'clock. But you guys, I mean, you, you were hysterical. You guys were wild. That is, that is the crazy. I also want to know how long you had the card in your ass.
0: That's, <laughs> That's a great question. I could barely read it because the ink had bleeded. <laughs> Evidently, it's hot in the studio. No, actually, um, yeah, I, I I tucked it in my ass uh, right before we walked. I walked into the studio. I did, and uh, cause, you know, and I and I folded it. In a, you know, at first I had it too crunched up, and it was starting to cut into my rectum. So I had to pull You're it out. You're
3: not an art department person here to take
0: care of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're low budget here. I had to do it myself. <laughs> and in um, the card, just so you know, Byron, that card was brown before I put it in.
1: Oh, okay. Because okay. the card is brown. I was wondering, you know. Yeah. but
0: Yeah, that was, and, <laughs> and I made sure I was tidy back there.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: Because I'm a professional.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, no, he no, cleaned no, himself up for you, dude. That's nice. Well, and, actually you know, did. There was no odors or anything like that, you know.
0: <laughs> what a testimonial! <laughs> can I can I use that on my JDate profile?
1: There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: when body cavity searched, Vic had no odor.
1: No odors.
0: So, um, Gus, I you know I'm happy. I'm really happy you called in, and uh, it's great to hear your voice. And uh, thanks for listening. It really means a lot. No,
1: nah,
3: no worries, man. It's a great show. You guys are hysterical. Have a, have a great uh, great rest of it. I don't want to talk over my time. All
0: right,
1: thank you, Gus. Thank you, Gus. Nope.
0: That is Gus. So, uh, God, now I'm blowing his last name. Jeremy? August. Ken, Isn't it a Ken Gus?
2: Huh? Ken Gus August.
0: Right. So Gus August. Ken, but we call him Gus. And his show is great. And he's a brilliant, he's got a brilliant mind and he's a really funny guy. He, and he's also, uh, I am part of a podcast with him on Saturdays,
1: Guyron. Oh, really? Maybe
0: you could come by and give all the guys uh yeah it's called bad advice
1: bad advice it's
0: on saturdays at 4 p.m okay yeah you could come by and and stick you know look up everyone's
1: ass right right
0: well, see I, what you see you know you might find something well
1: actually i will be in town on saturday come
0: okay well maybe not this day. i'll let them know okay so um we're gonna just finish up here real quick but you had you were telling me a story and i said we're gonna put a pin in it and mm-hmm. i just i wanted to give you that opportunity to share that
1: okay well you know like like i said we had talked about the whole thing of getting your eye busted you know
0: and for those of you who forget, that's when the an inmate is uh, looking directly into the guard's eyes as as the inmate is masturbating.
1: Either masturbating or exposing himself. But uh, we were on a rec yard movement one time. And, you know, all the inmates are out there lifting weights or, or playing basketball or running laps or whatever they were doing. So this one inmate goes, he goes, hey, man, you want to see my bird? You know, and, you know, sometimes the inmates, they have like pets, you know, like they'll have like a bird that they're feeding and nurturing and, you know. Right. And so I said, yeah, man, let me see your bird. Well, this guy pulls, unzips his pants and pulls out his penis. And he had an eagle, the face of an eagle tattooed on his penis. Hmm.
0: And um, I'm, I'm not really sure how to react to that.
1: Well, it's just, inter- I mean, you know. Well, it's
0: funny to me is you're, that's the story you want to talk about, yet you had your head up my ass about
1: 10 minutes ago. <laughs> that's just par for the for you. That's just a
0: normal day at that, the office. But you're yes. going to tell me a great story about a guy who had an eagle head. You had your head up my ass, Guyron.
1: Uh, no, not necessarily <laughs> up your ass, but I was definitely inspecting, you, you know. You definitely saw my sphincter. Well, I, I did as I was trained. Yeah, I saw your sphincter. Yeah. How did you think it looked? Well, it wasn't quivering, you know, so I know you're straight.
0: No, <laughs> that's a joke, right? I don't know what goes on in prison.
1: Thank <laughs> you God. Know, you know what? It's not like Oz, but a lot of stuff does go on. Yes.
0: Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Um, I want to thank you for being here. Um, oh. and Gyron, before, before I put a, as they say, like a little ribbon around it mm-hmm. and we close the show, is there anything you wanted to add that we kind of missed or that you think is important for people listening to, to know?
1: Sure. You know, and, and like I said, this gets back to my industry, uh, the protection industry, uh, there are many, many professionals out there. that, and, and like I said, 99.9% of the things that we do for people are, is not known because it's not, uh, you can't see it, you know. And I'm talking about the immense amount of training that we undergo, uh, the preparation once we get a client. And uh, we design a, uh, a protocol for their exact needs. And, you know, we have some really, really talented professionals out there. And, you know, I, I just feel blessed to be a part of, uh, I mentioned the N-A-B-A because, you know, I have the ability. Again, can you remind us
0: N-A-B-A, what that stands for?
1: Oh, North American Bodyguard Association. Okay. You know, I have the ability just by getting on the phone, I could protect. I could ha- arrange protection in any city, in any state, in the country, and just about any uh, country in the world. And it's not just about calling people and say, hey, show up these are vetted professionals. These are uh, are the cream of the crop, uh, the most ethical and vetted people in the industry, you know, and that's what, that's basically what I want to get across. You know, we're we're more than guys that just stand around in suits. We're not the guys that you see on TMZ, you know, uh, slapping cameramen, you know, we are professionals.
0: Yeah. And also I just want to thank you because um, while you did give me that body cavity search and that was obviously playful and fun at least for me because mm-hmm. i don't get a lot of attention sexually these days so okay. for me it was quite a thrill uh no, i'm kidding uh, <laughs> but no but we were you know it was obviously a lighthearted moment but you're a serious guy oh yeah and you take your career very seriously definitely and you take what you do seriously what we did that was just something that you're that was back in your past when you worked in a, in the prison system which you've been away from for a number of years
1: right well that and also you know what uh I mean, just the relationship that, uh, you know, you, Howie, Rich.
0: And that's Howie Mandel. Yes. Who you were working with on Deal or No Deal.
1: Yeah, and Rich Thurber. You know, mm-hmm. one of the biggest things in the business is not so much the personality, it's their inner circle or the people that are around them, you know, because for whatever reason, a lot of times we're viewed as a threat. But you people, you know, you guys were just so welcoming and you never told me how to do my job. You know, you never told me how to do my job. There were as you well know, there are certain times when I brought concerns and, and had a had a contingency plan to deal with them. And you guys said, okay, no problem, you know. And so, uh, you know, that's rare in my industry, you know. That's very rare in my industry. And so, you know, I, I'd do anything for you guys.
0: Well, that's really um, nice. And, and I feel the same way, and I'm sure Howie and Rich do as well. Rich Thurber was um, also a... Um, creative consultant on Deal or No Deal during the run of the show, and he's also um, a producer and um, works with Howie exclusively. Mm
1: -hmm. And, And, and you know, even the executives for the show, for Deal or No Deal, you know, it was the same thing. You know, and, you know, a lot of times uh, security people, especially in that setting, were viewed as outsiders because you know, we're not union or we don't have a technical craft or a trade to contribute to the show. And a lot of times we're looked as outsiders, but you no, know, Deal or No Deal was so welcoming. I mean, we were invited to everything that the crew was invited to, you know. And uh, you know, I still have my bicycle, as a matter of fact.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, one year everyone got a Deal or No Deal bicycle on the, cr- on the staff, as well as a bunch of other stuff. It was, we were giving away stuff to the audience, and it turns out everyone on staff mm-hmm. also got what everyone in the audience was getting. Exactly. And it, that was an amazing experience. Yes,
1: it was. And People very-
0: on that show were... Extraordinary, including Scott St. John, the executive producer, and Michonne Nix, and everyone else.
1: Yes. And, you know, like I said, that's, from, from my perspective, from what I've seen and done in the industry, unheard of.
0: Yeah, to include you, and not treating you like outside help, but really you're part of the family and the staff. Exactly. Yeah, and um, I talked to Rich, and I actually texted Howie to let him know. I actually left a phone message, mm-hmm. letting him know you were going to be on the show. And I'm sure he got a, a kick out of that because uh you know we haven't uh, he remembers you very well and right. speaks you know Guyron's Guyron we know who Guyron is right so, um and the show has been off for a number of years you know three years four years so um you know you you definitely left a, a very good impression and 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 you're you're a great guy oh, you really you. are thank you and it was uh, very nice of you to drive all the way out here from uh, he lives out I'm not gonna say where because you're in security we don't want to give your location <laughs> away
1: but yeah. we can say the high desert
0: okay uh the high desert and um so we're gonna wrap it up here i want to again thank you i i don't want to end it but we kind of need to
1: sure sure you know. I
0: understand. Um, jeremy anything you want to add before we say goodbye uh,
2: that was that was very interesting it's very i i always like to understand what goes on behind the scenes and and to meet someone that is truly behind the scenes and making sure that uh you know everyone's safe and and things like that it's it's interesting
0: did you get the sense did you think that Guyron gave us enough of a sense of what really goes on I mean
2: I think there's many things he probably can't tell us um which makes sense but you know I meeting someone like Guyron and uh you know um I feel much better about uh those situations you know he he definitely seems to know what he's talking about
0: Yeah and and out of respect to Guyron um obviously on it's a fair question I like to ask a lot of questions that potentially could be uncomfortable right. and but out of respect to what Guyron does and I know he told me ahead of time he's not going to take personal questions about his clients he'll he'll mention them sure and I yeah. wanted to respect that sure oh so, and and you were true to that
1: oh yeah that and like I said that's part of what we paid for his discretion
2: yeah, yeah. And like like you said you're not going to see see Guyron on TMZ right
0: no i yeah. mean the one thing that Gyron shared with me about TMZ and some of these other shows is that sometimes the celebrity will act like they're annoyed by the paparazzi.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> on purpose.
0: But but they're actually, the paparazzi kind of has to, it's kind of like a dance. They have to read the mind to the celebrity, right?
1: Right. Well, and also, too, like, you know, uh, you, you'll get a publicist or an agent involved and you know, sometimes the star is in on it. Sometimes, a lot of times the star isn't, you know, but... All of a sudden, you know, we've, we've done this massive uh, preparation and advance work and the proper paparazzi shows up in these places where like, come on, you know, they have to have some type of inside information.
0: Like a school or...
1: Yeah, you know, a school or, or, yes, that's all I'll say.
0: But you're, you were telling me that uh, you have to make sure that sometimes you have to let the paparazzi get their shot, even though the celebrity may be appearing to be upset they're going to be more upset with you if you don't let the shot happen.
1: Well, you know, it, it, it's a dance, you know, and I do what I can, you know, I, there's different uh, techniques that I can use to, you know, like if it's an intimate shot with, with a celebrity and their child, you know, they're not getting it, you know, they're not getting it. But, I mean, there's just certain things, I mean, you know, you know there's certain things that you can control and certain things that you can't control, you know. Right. What was Paul McCartney?
0: Uh, what was that about?
1: uh paul mccartney is just you know part of his uh protection team while he he was here in town
0: Mm
1: -hmm. a great guy great guy yeah yeah oh yeah yeah
0: most of the great people um i have found the people i've had the chance to work with are really really solid like howie
1: right right And many
0: others joan rivers was very nice when i had a chance to work with her and many others
1: yeah and i don't know how much time we have well
0: we're wrapping up but go okay let me hear
1: all right well um Like I said, I was assigned to Paul McCartney, and this was, gosh, I think this was about 2006. And this was the first time he had been nominated for a Grammy in a long time. So he was here. He ended his tour here, went back to uh, England, and uh, he was nominated for a Grammy. So he came back, and this was going to be a short appearance, you know, so I wasn't involved at all. But I happened to be working the Grammys that year at the Staples Center. And so we, you know, we're doing our thing out there, and we're going down to eat. And they tell us, you know, don't, they're giving us this lecture, like, don't approach any of the uh, celebrities there, or the musicians or anything like that, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, I'm not going to run up to somebody. I'm not starstruck, as you well know. And uh, so I just had, it was perfect timing. As I'm walking in, Sting and Mary J. Blige are, 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 are just wrapping up One Love. And, I mean, they were jamming. that's the best what they saw on the show, you know, you probably heard rehearsals are usually better than the show, yeah. you know? And so I'm walking in on that. And also Paul McCartney and his manager are walking off stage, you know, and I'm, you know, I saw them, but I wasn't going to approach him. And, uh, his manager, John says, Hey, guy, hey mate, how you doing? You know? And I said, Hey John, how you doing? And Paul, you know, comes, Hey mate, how you doing? As I'm walking towards him, all these producers and, and, show people they're looking, they got this scowl on their face, you know. Paul McCartney comes up, John gives me a hug, and Paul gives me a hug. And he says, hey, mate, how you doing? What are you doing here? And I showed him my my credentials for working the Grammys. And he goes, ah, you're just a whore for the money, you know. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you know, those type of uh, experiences are priceless.
0: Yeah, and that's nice to hear that he's that kind of guy.
1: Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's funny. All those other people, when they were scowling at me once, uh, uh, Sir Paul embraced me all of a sudden, they are smiling.
0: <laughs> like when the boss laughs, everyone laughs Like it, that stereo to that cliched.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Well, good. I w- I hope one day that I'm in a position where I have to have a bodyguard and I know who to call. Oh yeah. Cause you're, re- you're a great guy, Guyron. You really are.
1: Well, thank you. Vic.
0: And, uh, and I can't thank you enough for being here on the show. And also with all of you listening, thank you very much for, uh, listening live, or if you've been downloaded, if you've downloaded this show, I want to thank you. Also, I want to thank uh, Jeremy. He's uh, runs the show. He's he runs the whole deal here. Thank you, Jeremy, very much. And uh, hopefully, uh, please come back, download some more shows, subscribe, share with your friends. We want to keep building and growing. And um, once again, this has been Vic Cohen, and you've been listening to "It's a Fair Question." Thanks, everyone. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair question. It's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair question. It's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair question. I'm Vic Cohen, and it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair, it's a fair quest, quest, quest,